Hound Podcast. Hello and welcome to a Horse and Hound Podcast advertising series. This is the third episode of our Denji Digestive Health series. I'm Pippa Room, magazine editor here at Horse and Hand, and I'm joined today by two guests to discuss feeding good doers and leisure horses. First up, we have Jo Burns Thurth, who is a riding coach and also show jumps herself. Hi, Jo. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, and thanks for inviting me. Well, it's great to have you on. And we also have with us again, Katie Williams, who is Denji's Technical and Product Development Manager. Hi, Katie. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. And it's great to be back. Well, Katie's been a regular fixture on our three Denji Digestive Health Series episodes, and it's always great to have her expertise. But Joe, we're going to start with you on this episode, and I'd like to start just by getting to know you a little bit. Tell us about yourself, where are you based, and tell us a bit about your career, first of all. Ah, so I'm based in North Lincolnshire, where I have a livery and training yard. My career, I've always been horse mad, uh, the younger version of myself. Uh, jumped regularly on the national circuit and was, you know, won and placed at the Royal International and Hoys um, and even represented GB. Uh, today, I'm uh, more of a leisure rider, do it for pleasure. Um, I compete on the BS Amateur and Veteran Series with my horses and work-wise, I'm a coach. I've done that since I was 16 years of age and I've um, got the British Show Jumping Level 2 and 3 qualifications and I'm currently for my sins uh, at Gloucester studying my level four and a master's in professional practice in sports coaching. Great. And tell us a bit about your own horses and uh, and, and what, what horses you have and what you get up to with them. Uh, so I have four horses. I have Magali, who's 26. Um, she competed up to 130. I bred her. So she is now in retirement and is the yard unicorn and mascot. And then I have the two gingers who are tempting business, who's called Sonny and Cullen Townboy Freddy. Um, I jumped the amateur series with them at about 95 or a metre five. And um, and then I have a yearling, Jerry, who I'm hoping is going to be my star of the future. Well, it sounds like you've got uh, got your hands full with, with all those as well as your coaching. Um, yes. And I believe that all of your horses are fed on Denji feeds. Tell us, how long have you been feeding Denji and what sort of feeding regime do your horses have? So um, all my horses and the livery horses are fed on Denji. Um, I fed it for quite some time, um, but I've been having yard visits and diet checks from the Denji team for about six years. All the livery horses base their feed um the good doers have like your hi-fi light and the, the predominantly the rest of them have alpha a um the competition horses and the ones with busy lifestyle styles we tend to feed on the healthy tummy and freddie is on the ulcer light which i'm sure you'll talk about later both freddie and sunny have the performance plus balancer and everything has their feed uh, dampened down with the um alpha beat Great. And yes, as you say, we're going to talk some more about that new Ulcerlite feed. But um, just to sort of round out that overall understanding of, of your horses and the livery horses feeding regime, what is their sort of main forage that goes with that? Do they get much turnout? Do they have hay? Do they have haylage? All the horses get daily turnout and they have ad lib hay and haylage. And um, the boys, that I, when I take them to shows, I always take extra um, food, so extra healthy tummy or extra Ulcerlite. And once they've travelled, we always make sure they have some between travelling and competing to line their stomachs too. Mm. 
We've talked on some of the earlier episodes about the real importance of that and not working horses on empty stomachs. And I think that you were part of the trial of the new Ulcer Light feed with Freddie. And we'll ask you a bit more about that in a minute, Joe. But um, let's get a bit of a reminder from Katie about that new feed first. Katie, what's in Ulcer Light and what sort of horses is it particularly aimed at? Yeah, thanks, Pippa. Well, it's um, a low calorie option and it's really the first one targeting ulcers. Um, specifically that's low calorie our, our previous ulcer feeds were very much this sort of aim for the stereotypical underweight poor doer but as um, times moved on and we now understand ulcers is a problem that can affect all shapes and sizes um, it was the appropriate time really to bring a, a low calorie option into the range and and for that reason it's it's based on chopped straw I think it's worth reiterating the point that straw is a perfectly acceptable ingredient to use in the context of ulcers when it's used as part of a mix of forage types. Um, there have been some studies in the past that have shown when it's the sole or majority ingredient in a ration, it can increase the risk of ulcers. But we've had subsequent sort of follow-up work to that to show that if it's used as a part of a blend and even up to 50% of the forage ration can be straw and not um, result in, in ulcers. So it's a really useful ingredient for these good doers where we want the two time but without the sort of sugars and starch that you might find in other ingredients and obviously without the calories that you'd find in sort of better quality um, forage options. Um, I've also included a small amount of chopped grass in there, which is really just to try and add some natural sweetness because it's no good creating a feed that horses won't eat. So I've also put some grass pellets in for the same reason, really, a little bit of texture, a little bit of sweetness that encourages the horses to, to eat up. And obviously when horses have ulcers, they may well actually find eating painful. So we've got to try and make it something um, palatable to get them to sort of tuck in. Um, I've also got alfalfa pellets in there for their natural buffering potential. So there have been numerous studies to show the naturally high levels of calcium and alfalfa are really beneficial for helping to maintain gastric health. We have a light dressing of oil just to help generate some coat shine and aid dispersion of the other ingredients. Um, and also, again, really to aid palatability, I've put a blend of herbs, which include oregano. So some people feel it smells of Italian cooking or pizza, but um, horses find it palatable too. And last but by no means least, I've included um, yeast and FOS prebiotics. And the FOS prebiotics in particular provide a food source for beneficial bacteria. And again, we've had studies that have shown that these good bacteria help to regulate acidity through the digestive tract. So it's all about trying to get the horse to eat, um, provide low-calorie forage and in a palatable form. Mm. And Joe, why did you sort of feel that Freddie was a suitable horse to try this feed? Or was it something that Denji approached you and asked you if, uh, if you had a horse that was suitable? How did he sort of join that trial? Um, so Claire Akers, who regularly um, comes to the yard, um, knows that we struggle with Freddie being quite rounded. And what we were struggling with was because he was couldn't really have the full quota of the healthy tummy that he wasn't getting all the natural, you know, all the vitamins and mins required from it. Um, so she thought it would be he'd be a good one to put forward as he was like a performance horse as well as a fatty. <laughs> and Katie Clare is one of the team of nutritionists who, who work for Denji, is that right? That's right. Yeah, she's been with us like, over 15 years now. So she spends a lot of time out talking to um, sort of performance horse um, owners and riders. So she's our specialist in the performance horse sector, really. So 
um, yeah, best place to find great candidates for us to try all these sorts of products with. <laughs> and Joe, what what when you first got that new feed, what was the feed like to sort of look at and touch and smell? What what did it seem like? It's really soft. Um, I think Katie mentioned that, and uh, the it's an, a real short chop. It's a lighter colour than the healthy tummy, um, and yeah, it does have the alfalfa and grass pellets. Uh, it does have a lovely herby smell, although I never thought of pizzas when I was giving it a, a smell. <laughs> and uh, did Freddie find it palatable? Was he happy to sort of snaffle it down? Yeah, Freddie was very happy to snaffle it down. Um, yeah, he's always, he's a sort of a chap that he sits with his bottom on the door, but as soon as he hears those buckets rattling, he's round and ready for his tea. <laughs> and how did he respond to it in terms of how he looked and felt after some time being on that new feed, Ulcerlite? So the first thing I noticed were his energy levels in a good way. So now he was getting the full quota of feed that he needed for his job. And um, when Claire weighed him six months into it, I was really surprised that although he still looked fantastic, he'd actually lost 26 kilos, um, but was getting fed more because he could have the full rations. So that was really pleasing. Mm. And you said that was after six months. How long has he been on it now? Possibly a year now. He's been, because um, we trialled it, I can't remember when we started. It probably is about a year, maybe even 18 months actually. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Um, and yeah, he's still really happy on it. Um, yeah, I think the main thing that was for me was the fact he looks fantastic and that his energy levels were, were you know, I could give him the right amount, right amount of feed for the size of horse he was and not have to worry too much about his weight. And I think you said earlier when you were introducing your horses that you've now got a second horse eating Arcelite as well? Uh, no, but I had actually discussed it with um, Claire because uh, Sunny is laminitic, um, even though he's a performance horse. Um, but she was quite happy for him still to be fed on the um, healthy tummy because she said that was good for laminitic horses. Uh, okay, I misunderstood that earlier. Thank you, Joe And uh, Katie, presumably you had several horses testing the new feed sort of around the same time as Joe. Tell us a bit about that trial and, and did they sort of report similar experiences to Joe? Yes, I mean, actually the launch of this product has, has been delayed a few times because of the pandemic. And um, so it gave us even more time actually to trial it with a, a wide range of horses and ponies. So several of our supported riders have, have trialled it with, with dressage horses in particular as they're often the warm blood, the good doer types. Um, and obviously the key thing for me was was how well they they ate it. And, you know, a competition horse with ulcers is probably our toughest challenge in terms of palatability and creating something that they want to eat. So, you know, we always test these things really extensively to, to make sure we, we get it right. That's really where my job combines art and science. I can create the most technically superior product, but if a horse isn't going to eat it, um, then it's not going to work. And, and conversely, I can make something that's really tasty and yummy, but um, it's probably full of all the wrong sweet things that horses love, but probably shouldn't be uh, having because it's not going to keep them in good health for very long. So yeah, it's definitely a, a balance of trying to create something that finds um, a, a balance really between health and, and palatability. So yes, with those big dressage horses where um, owners want to feel like they're feeding them something because they've got a job to do and, and they need some fuel for work. Um, but it's putting the right sort of energy in, it's slow release, it helps to um, fuel their work, but without sort of blowing their minds. 
And again, they can feed plenty of it. So they're, they're eating, you get all the benefits of an increased chew time, which produces more saliva. And that in itself helps to buffer acidity through the digestive system. So it's, uh, it's a nice balance between plenty to eat, but not too many calories. Mm. And let's talk a bit about sort of feeding leisure horses in general or lower level competition horses particularly. Are there sort of certain common problems that you see in terms of riding or health that you are often approached by these riders and they want you, you're sort of as the feed provider to help them tackle? Yeah, I, I think quite often with the good doer types and, and you know, obesity and overweight um, issues are one of the biggest challenges for the leisure um, population of horses and ponies in, in the UK. Um, a lot of the time then people reduce the amount of mix or cubes that they're feeding because they don't want them to put on too much weight. Um, but as sort of Joe alluded to, you then do actually miss out on all the essential nutrients, the vitamins and minerals. So when these feeds are formulated, they're designed to be fed at a certain level. As soon as you drop below that, you're actually missing out on the things that are part of energy metabolism. So vitamins and minerals all have a role to play in, in health and performance. Um, so you can sometimes find then that you, your horse lacks stamina, runs out energy, you know, sort of just doesn't look and perform at their best because all those essential bits are, have been dropped down because you're trying to manage their weight. Um, so if we can um, balance the ration, very often it's coming back to using fibre as the base and then putting, like Joe does, a balancer on the top or particularly at the moment, a, a good quality broad spectrum vitamin and mineral supplement can be a very cost effective way to do that. Um, and you're not compromising in any way because the vitamins and minerals are there. You're balancing the ration, but you're using the, the fiber in the bucket as the energy, the, the protein and, and the fiber, obviously, to, to fuel the work the horse is doing. So sometimes it's, it's just reconstructing the diet a little bit to make sure it's, it's balanced. Um, we do find that as people start to compete, they feel they have to give their horses more. So they, they tend to turn to mixes and cubes to do that. And aside from potentially promoting weight gain, they can actually also make horses a bit more lively or overexcitable, um, which sadly can mean that some riders lose confidence as a result. And obviously it certainly impacts on, on performance. So again, it's coming back to the basics. Let's start with a good quality forage as the base to the ration. Use fibre and oil if you do genuinely need more energy for the work the horse is, is doing. Um, balance it out and then if you still need more energy then we use the sort of cereals um, to create that sort of perhaps slightly more um, forward going attitude if, if they are a bit lazy but unfortunately people default to that first without getting the, the basics right and as I say it can ultimately result in them losing confidence. Hmm. And what sort of advice do you sort of frequently give to riders with those leisure or lower level competition horses? It is really about keeping starch to a minimum, both for health and behaviour. So starch is creating more acidic stomach and if less forage is also fed, it exacerbates the problem because you've got less saliva being produced from less chewing and therefore less buffering potential. Um, you know, and we, we've seen that studies have shown that horses actually use more force through their jaws when they chew the forage. So you're actually getting more saliva produced as, as a result of chewing forage. Um, and that's why it's really important to use that as the base to ration for the health of the whole of the digestive tract. Um, and again, it's a case of if we're trying to reduce the risk of ulcers in particular, um, any form of exercise above a walk is, is potentially sufficient to increase the risk of the acid splashing around in the stomach. Obviously, the more time the horse is exercised for on an empty tummy, the, the greater the risk of problems. 
Um, but even just a small amount of exercise, 20 to 30 minutes, um, you know, trotting, it basically is enough to create this acid splash effect. So feeding before you exercise, sort of 20 to 25 minutes before you tack up, put a double handful of chopped fibre into them or if they're tucking into the hay net or, you know, that eating grass or something coming from the paddock, that's absolutely fine. Um, it will do the same job. But they're the key things really to try and reduce the, the risk of ulcers. Keep your starch level down and don't empty, uh, sorry, don't exercise on an empty tummy. Mm, and Katie, I was thinking about this because when we're in the pony, we were in the pony club, you know, when we were all kids, one of those sort of golden rules of feeding was that you don't feed within an hour of riding. That was always sort of the, the old school advice. And uh, this feels a little bit contrary to this in terms of saying, make sure the horses do have something in their stomach and are fed, like you say, 20, 25 minutes before riding, not, not a big feed, but something foragey. Just kind of reassure us on that because it, it goes against my pony club instincts to think of giving my horse a little feed before I ride him. Absolutely. It's a real sort of turnaround from where we were, say, 20, 30 years ago, isn't it? But it, it's the difference between a cereal-based feed and the sort of chopped fibre and forage, because we know that if um, a horse exercises on an empty stomach, there's nothing there. You can have the splashing of the acidic contents um, reaching the sensitive area of the stomach, and that is what basically causes ulcers. Now, Cereal-based feeds, if we exercise when we've just fed those, there is a risk that they will pass through the digestive system before they've been properly digested because the act of exercise is going to increase the, the rate of transit through the digestive system. Now, when that happens with cereals, they're obviously passing through to areas of the gut where we don't want them to reach, in particular the hind gut. So that's where they can cause problems like colic, um, laminitis, etc., because they're fermented very quickly. Um, in that hindgut region. So that's what we're trying to avoid when we say allow at least an hour. So they've gone through the stomach, they've been properly broken down, potentially the starch has been absorbed in the small intestine. That's what we're aiming for with cereals. Um, and then we're not going to cause problems if things start to speed up a little bit when we exercise. Now with fibre, it's in the gut, in, well in the stomach to try and stop the acid splash. It generally moves through a little bit slower anyway, um, because it forms that sort of fibrous mat and takes its time to, to move down through the stomach and then through the rest of the digestive system. But also if it does happen to go through, if things are pushed through a bit quicker than normal, if it reaches the hindgut, that's where it's supposed to be fermented and you know sort of broken down to release the energy anyway. So it's not going to cause the, the sort of negative impacts that um, if cereals reach that region that they can do. Mm, okay, well, it's good to have that that reassurance, that understanding of that sort of change, I guess, in, in the science behind feeding our horses. And aside from ulcerite, what sort of feeds do you have in the Denji range that can be useful, particularly for, for leisure or lower level competition horses and riders? Give us a bit of a recap on, on what, what sort of feeds those those people might want to look at. Sure. Well, um, Jo mentioned it. Uh, the healthy tummy is a great one for those that are worried about ulcers or have a history of ulcers because it really does capitalise on the benefits of alfalfa. So it's an alfalfa base, um, both in chopped form and pelleted form with an oil coating, so molasses free. Um, and it does have vitamins and minerals added. So if you want the all-in-one convenient option, you don't have to think about adding balances and supplements, it's it's done for you. Um, that also has the beta approval mark for horses and ponies prone to ulcers and, and beta is the British Equestrian Trade Association. Um, they are an independent assessment of these products. So um, it is a great mark to look for if you're trying to find feeds that um, are particularly suitable for those prone to ulcers. 
Um, and Alfred Oil, actually, which I think Alex has mentioned, Alex Bragg, um, he uses this as a, a much higher energy feed. So it's, it's the, comparable to a competition mix in terms of its energy value, but it's all coming from fibre and oil. So it's low release energy. Um, they're very sort of well tried and tested feeds, those two. Um, they both provide service energy. They're both molasses free. So they're great from a behaviour perspective as, as well as health. Um, and they're obviously both very low in starch. So the reason alfalfa actually, I find this quite interesting that um, alfalfa is low in starch because it's a plant, just like any other plant, it's going to photosynthesize. So it uses light to create sugar. Um, but rather than storing it in the bits above the ground, so its stalks or its leaves, for example, or even its seed heads, it's primarily putting it into its roots below ground. So they're the bits we don't actually feed to horses. So although it's functioning in the same way as other plants, because it's putting its starch elsewhere in the bits we don't use, it's a great way of um, you know, utilising a, a plant that's high in quality protein, really abundant in minerals, but without the starch levels. So that's what makes it a great base to, to rations for, for horses, really. Um, and again, I think Joe mentioned actually Alphabet. You can see she's there. <laughs> she's had the full briefing on this one. <laughs> um, it's a great way to put more highly digestible fibre in. So again, the combination of sugar beet and alfalfa. Sugar beet, again, a lot of myths around it. It isn't high in sugar if the sugar's been extracted for use in the human food industry. What we're left with is the pulp. So as long as it's not had molasses added back, it's actually below 5% sugar. So a great way to put digestible fibre into the ration uh, without much sugar. And because you feed it soaked, it helps take water into the digestive tract, which helps with hydration as well. So for any animal that's competing, even at lower levels in these hot summers we've had recently, um, that extra, that fluid can make a really big difference to help, you know, withstand the rigours of competition. So there's some great feeds there that are all very safe, full of slow release energy and um, you know, beneficial from a health perspective too. Mm. And Joe, widening this out beyond your horses and sort of thinking about the riders that you teach, I think you teach quite a lot of grassroots riders. Do you often get asked about feeding, about maybe problems they're having with their horses that, that could be solved or helped by feeding? What sort of advice do you give? Tell us about that sort of aspect of, of feeding and of your work. Yeah, so as a coach, you have to take a, quite a holistic view because it's not only what you're teaching them that helps, but it could be a saddle sit or normally the feed. Um, quite often the things that I see are needing more energy or losing weight. Um, so I, I definitely promote the feeding of fiber and keeping the starch to the minimum. Um, and the feeds that I often recommend are the healthy tummy and it now will be the ultra light and the alpha oil for the energy. Um, and I often say that like people are not aware that you can feed fiber and give as much energy as a bag of mix or feed that is like not a lot of people or of this level know that um so that's always an eye opener um but i always would if i was discussing feed signpost them to a, a dengue nutritionist like consultant i wouldn't just you know expect them to take it from me i'd, I'd head signpost them to somebody with more knowledge Katie, just tell us about that service. If someone sort of got that advice from Joe to, to consult with a Denji nutritionist, how would they do that? Can they ring up? Can they find that info on your website? What should someone do? 
Yeah, it's a good point. Actually, we have lots of ways people can get in touch. So there is the feed line and um, colleagues of Claire, who we mentioned earlier, so um, they would be manning the feed line sort of in office hours, um, which they can telephone if they want to speak to someone. Um, There is a live chat facility via the website and then also, of course, email. Um, Increasingly, people contact us via social media, so all the usual channels exist there. Um, But the role that Claire in particular does is to take things like the Weybridge out, um, weigh horses and ponies and give advice. And obviously, you know, nothing beats actually being able to see an animal, touch it, feel it, assess its weight um, and condition and things. So that's a service we tend to offer for sort of 10 or more horses because it, it is a lot of effort and obviously time and cost involved in taking the Weybridge to yards. Um, but if you get together with a group on on a yard, if it's liveries or the yard owner, obviously, um, we will come out. And it's it's a service that's all free of charge, um, you know, and there's no sort of pressure to buy anything on the day. It's just an advisory um, sort of role. But it is, you know, obviously um, from a professional sort of qualified, experienced horse person, which, you know, the balance of understanding the nutritional technical side of it, as well as being able to apply it to real world situations, I think is particularly important because, as I said a few times, really, we can we can do the perfect diets and things, but there's so many other factors that come into it. And, you know, not least whether the horse wants to eat it or not, that's that's really important. And, you know, that's what we're there to try and help with as, as much as just giving technical information. Mm. Well, if you want to ring that feed line or uh, find out more about that, the uh, Denji website is your is your one stop shop at uh, denji.com for that. And Joe, just coming back to you and talking about those grassroots riders who you teach, do you have any particular advice that you give them sort of on the management side of their horses as well as in terms of what they actually feed? Yeah, I always tell them because the horses are competing and traveling to feed them to reduce the risk of ulcers. I um, recommend a good fibre diet and normally would suggest the healthy tummy, um, but now I would potentially suggest the um, ultralight for those on the, the good doers and to feed 20, 25 minutes before they do ride to ju- reduce the risk of ulcers and splashing rather than have to deal with it later on. Mm, and that's something we've come back to a lot on this series is talking about that uh, point about not riding on an empty stomach. So thanks for bringing that up again, Joe. It's so important. Well, I think we're getting towards the end of this episode and it is the third and final episode of our Denji Digestive Health series. Katie, before we go, I think we need a final word from you. And I said earlier in the series that people have uh, short memories, you know, they're, they're listening to a podcast, they're mucking out, they're running, they're driving, whatever, and then they go and they crack on with their day. And if people were only going to remember one thing from these three podcasts, what would it be? I would say the the emphasis is always on fibre and specifically getting the right fibre for, for your horse. You know, there are a huge range of products out there now to suit all horses and ponies, whether you need low calorie or something with a bit more energy. But as a general rule, fibre can meet the needs of most horses and ponies. Um, you know, maybe the exception is those competing at the very highest levels, but um, the vast majority of the time we can provide what the horse needs from fibre. So start there and I think you'd be amazed how far you can go very often. Mm, thank you, Katie. And Joe, before we finish up, was there anything else that you wanted to add? Yeah, I, I was just thinking that I um, have had the luxury of being taken to the Denji site um, and seeing the harvesting action and the manufacturing process. And then I actually went on and achieved their Bronze Product Advisor Award. So I feel I am a little bit more qualified to talk about their feeds. 
Hmm, that's interesting. What um, what what sort of thing did you did you see at the uh, the Denji site? What was uh, tell us something that was particularly interesting about that visit? We were taken out to the fields and seeing the lucerne actually being cut, and then we were taken and seeing the the lines where they were bagged and where the stuffs were added, and on the boards it was written what went into each feed. Um, and we discussed that you could actually trace the feed back to the field or back to the plant where it was taken. You know. Um, there's a lot about clean sport and, and feeding horses and where it comes from. And I know myself, I've actually been um, pulled up at a show where they wanted to um, blood test the horses. And I had the knowledge that I knew where my feed had come from, which is a, a real great thing. Mm, well, I think that we might need a video series rather than a podcast series. We might need to go and visit <laughs> the Denji site too. <laughs> yeah. And it's probably worth me mentioning, actually, I think, because um, Joe then referred to the alfalfa as lucerne, which we all do interchangeably. They are two names for the for the same plant. So um, lucerne and alfalfa, it's the same plant growing in the field. It's the same product in the feed. It's just different names for, for it used around the world. But we're all um, guilty of using them interchangeably. So just thought I'd better clarify that one. <laughs> yeah, no, great. Thank you, Katie. Good to have that uh, insight. So thank you so much to Joe and to Katie for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Well, listeners, that is the end of our Denji Digestive Health series. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Do go back and listen to the other episodes if you haven't heard them yet. The first was a detailed look at the horse's digestive system, possible problems and particularly causes, diagnosis and treatment of ulcers. In the second episode, we focused on feeding performance horses and we were treated to a look inside five-star eventer Alex Bragg's yard and his feeding regime. And of course, all three of these episodes will remain in our podcast archive, so you can come back at any time for a reminder and listen to all this good advice again. Thank you for joining us, and I hope that you found the series useful. Music.